Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. speakers for World Mandate coming up in a couple weekends. This is Tracy Evans. Three times she had a gun put to her head. Three times the trigger was pulled. Three times the gun misfired and three times she led her assailant to the Lord. Three different times. I've, I haven't even done it once yet. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about you. Uh, this is an amazing moment. She was shipwrecked. After she was shipwrecked, she started a church planning movement. This, this story is going to blow your mind. She'll be speaking Saturday night of World Mandate. I want you there. I'm wondering, does anyone have a birthday today? Anyone have a birthday today? Anyone have a birthday this week? This week. Come on up, right here. Are you right here? And if you want to know what my hair is going to look like in heaven... Right here. Thank you. God bless you. Do not look for me looking like this. All right. Um, it, it's going to be a great conference. It's one of the, the few things that I just ask you to come to. It's the one time our whole church is able to gather under one roof, and we have something for everyone. One of the things I'm excited about is the Engage and the Encounter seminars on Saturday afternoon. In the Engage seminars, we're going to be talking about businesses' mission some national and some of our own uh, business leaders who've used their skills as uh, a missionary tactic to reach people and to transform this city are going to be speaking. Any business people in the house this morning? So this is going to really pertain to you. We're also going to talk about God using the arts and media as mission. So we'll have different uh, engaged seminars to help us understand how to reach San Diego, then we're going to have encounter seminars. And these are activation seminars. We're going to be having a healing seminar where we teach on healing and then model it right before you. We're going to have a prophetic seminar. We'll be having an encounter evangelism seminar. So this is going to be an incredible conference that really lifts the water level of our whole church. So please be there with us. And if for some reason you're saying, I, just, I would be there in a moment, but I can't afford it, Please call our office, and we do have some scholarships uh, to talk to you about. So we want everyone there. And let me just say, today, following the service, Stephanie and I would love to meet you in A1 for our Welcome to the Family class. It's a free class. Even if you haven't signed up yet, we should have room for you. All right. Well, I always love to start off with something funny whenever we begin a message. And this week, as we were meeting with our creative team, talking about with Jesus and painting the picture for what kind of video we'd want beforehand, one of our media team sent me this as we talked about wanting to depict what it would be like to walk with Jesus in every life stage, no matter what age you are. So let's, let's show that clip real quick. I think you might enjoy this. 
in case you're a, a real literalist, we don't actually think that's Jesus. That was just that was just a joke. You know, we're starting this series called With Jesus, and I, I think about from the earliest age I was in church, probably half of this room grew up in church, the other half are new to the faith, and I, I, by the time I was 10 years old, I had heard more sermons, more Sunday school lessons, more camp messages than I could shake a stick at. And I think that's why it was so peculiar to me when I got to college and I heard the man who I would now call my pastor, Jimmy Seibert, speak. It wasn't even in a church building. It was in a, a little room on my college campus in a freshman uh, leadership organization where he was sharing these different verses and, and then after each verse it wasn't just this heady you know esoteric thought but instead he'd share stories from his life and these stories of risk these stories of being in in dangerous places these stories of being in need and having to have God show up and time and time again, Jesus would move in power. And I thought, I've never heard a message like this. And he was different. You know, at the time uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in a more formal church. The pastors were always wearing suits, even three-piece suits. This guy was wearing blue jeans and, a, and just a casual short sleeve shirt and hiking boots. And, and I was just thinking, this, this guy is so different. And then I came across this verse, I had never seen it before in the Bible. It's Acts 4.13, and it's actually the verse from which we get the title of this series. It says this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Will you say that with me? Been with Jesus. What had happened? Well, Peter and John had seen a miracle take place. They had gone out preaching boldly that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. The religious leaders actually are telling them, quiet down or we're going to kill you. We're going to do to you what we did to him. And instead, they stand up even more boldly and they're proclaiming with authority that Jesus is the way to the Father. And the religious leaders actually are astonished. It says they took note. I want to ask you, how many times do you feel like in today's world that the unbelieving masses are actually astonished by Christians? Can, can I just tell you today that there's a difference between being a Christian and being a person who lives their life with Jesus? Can I just tell you that there's a difference, that there's many Christians, there's many people who would call themselves by that Christian religion, but I want to tell you there's something very different about someone who's been with Jesus. And when I heard this man speak that day when I was 18 years old, it was like the words he had hit me. It was like a load of bricks actually hitting my chest. I felt something. I said, why is this guy so different? But as he told the stories, I could tell he was a man who had spent time with Jesus. He was listening to Jesus. He was following Jesus. He was in love with Jesus. You see, I had seen Christians for years, but I hadn't seen many people who were in love with Jesus. And I want to ask you today, church, are you in love with Jesus? 
And that's my desire at the end of this series that you would be more in love with Jesus than ever before, that some of you would find him as your first love, that some of you that have been in religion, it's been stale, it's been dry, maybe you're even considering walking away, that you'd absolutely fall head over heels with Jesus. Do you know that people talk about what they're in love with? Right, you can, you can take someone, they fall in love, and all of a sudden you turn the, the toughest guy into, into a softie, right? You know, he, he's all tough, talking about football with his friends, and then his girl walks in, he's like, hey, baby, hello, my baby. You take this tough guy, and all of a sudden, hey, move, move, When someone's in love, it changes everything about them. And I pray that you would fall in love with Jesus. You know, from the beginning of the church, people would ask us, what's the aim of the church? We'll be talking more about that in our Welcome to the Family class. But I've always said, our greatest desire is not for you to walk in and say, wow, that worship, that was just so amazing. Those musicians were on. Their songs that they write are just beautiful. You know, our worship team works long, and they are tireless in trying to bring us an offering and trying to lift up the name of Jesus, and it's amazing, but that's not our greatest goal. And my highest ambition is not for you to walk out and say, wow, that message, that was so eloquent. It was so beautiful. I have new insight, new revelation. Even though I work hard, I study. We're very diligent, everyone that gets up here to preach. It's not haphazard, but that's not our main ambition. My main ambition, actually, is for everyone who walks through the door to say, I encountered Jesus. And then for people to walk in, they not only say, I encountered Jesus, but I looked around, and the people around me had been with Jesus. Because when you've been with Jesus, he changes how you look to where people are astonished, and they take note, and they say, those people have been with Jesus. What would it look like for a church to have been with Jesus? That's our dream. That's our ambition. And so we'll be going through the Gospels and unpacking some very poignant story that will help us understand what life looks like when you actually walk with the person of Jesus. We're going to look in John chapter 5 today, one of the most foundational stories for understanding Jesus' operating system. John chapter 5, it begins with, we're going to begin here in verse 1, it says, sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. 
Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So let's just review this amazing story for a moment. If you want to take mental note, you could call this story the healing at the well. The healing at the well is what this would commonly be referred to. So what do you have? You have Jesus coming into Jerusalem and, and, and visiting a site. The site is a pool. At the pool are, are numerous disabled people, just this, this sea of, of people who have physical issues. Jesus walks up to one person at that pool, begins a dialogue with him. Then Jesus heals that guy. Then Jesus says, pick up your mat now that you're healed and walk off. The guy's walking off. However, it is their holy day in the Jewish religion. That's the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, there were all these rules. And so the religious leaders are ticked because they see a man walking around with a mat. And that's a big no-no. Don't ever carry your mat on the Sabbath. You can carry a seat cushion in here for their seat, but not a mat. And uh, just kidding, you're free. Uh, So... He's walking around with a mat. The religious leaders are ticked. He's breaking our law. They call him out on it. And he goes, well, the person who healed me told me to carry this mat. And they go, well, who healed you? And he goes, I have no idea. It was a drive-by healing. The guy's gone. Right? And, and that's where we pick up with this story. That's what's going on. So what, what I want to ask today is why did Jesus do what he did? Why did Jesus, we're going to answer the question, why does Jesus do what he does? If you're taking notes today, why does Jesus do what he does? Right? And, and that comes from several subsidiary questions in this story. For example, why does Jesus walk into Jerusalem and go to some extraneous pool? Right? I mean, Jesus, you're the holy man, go to the temple. Right? You're the son of God, God's temple, walk to the temple. Don't go visit the pool first. So why does Jesus go to the pool? Secondly, why does Jesus enter a place? We know that Jesus is a healer. Why does he enter a place with a sea of of disabled people? Maybe it was this many. Maybe let's take the right section. It's this many people. And why does Jesus go up to one person? He just goes up to one. And then he heals them. And that's cool. But then... I hadn't even thought about that until this week. Jesus doesn't even tell the guy he's the Messiah. Jesus heals the guy and then just slips off, right? He just plays the, like, African safari animal disappearing thing into the herd. And he's gone. And the guy's left going, uh, I don't know who healed me. Just some dude. Dude healed me, right? Why does Jesus do what he does? Now, one of the important rules of biblical interpretation is we let the Bible interpret itself. Okay, so when you have a question, I want to teach you how to study. When you have a question in the Bible, let the Bible interpret itself. And one of the ways to do that is to read before and to read after the specific thing that's making you have a question. So the amazing thing is Jesus explains why he, does, why he does what he does in verse 19. Let me read it to you. Jesus gave them this answer. Now he's talking to the religious leaders. Very truly, I tell you, the son, 
talking about himself, he's the son of God. The son can do nothing by himself. What? You're Jesus. Of course you can do everything, right? You are God in the flesh. Jesus says no. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Church, this is a foundational truth for us as believers and will dramatically affect how you live your life. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Let me unpack something that's very important for you to understand if you're going to truly walk with Jesus. It's a, a lesson in Christology. Christology, the study of Christ. Uh, can I go ahead and have my table and uh, my props brought in? I think this is going to help you understand it. Why does Jesus not do any miracles until he is 30 years old? Why does Jesus not do any miracles until he's 30 years old? Thank you so much. Okay, let me explain it this way. We, we think of Jesus, the Christian theology would promote that Jesus, and this is true, is fully man and fully God. So I'm going to go ahead and represent that through this, this vase right here. If you look at it, uh, up here would be the glass, and, and this whole thing is a glass vase. And so let's say that represents Christ's humanity, right? He is a vessel, right, uh, a clear vase. However, inside, fully God, the life of God, represented by this green water, okay? So fully man and fully God. So we think of Jesus, we go, well, of course, Jesus, you can heal anyone because you're, although you're a man, you're walking around, you have some long hair and a beard, and at least that's what we think, but you're fully God, fully God inside you, right? And, and so we go, well, of course, Jesus, then when someone does something to you, you respond perfectly with the fruit of the Spirit, right? Because you're fully God, right? Wrong. That was a trick. Um, Philippians chapter 2 explains a very important theological point in order for you to understand what Jesus really did. Uh, let, me, let me read it to you. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Say emptied. So, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in heaven with God. He was God. But the Bible says that he comes to earth, and he empties himself. He's emptying himself. So what does it say? It says he becomes found in appearance as man in human likeness. Why does Jesus do no miracles until he's 30, it's because here he is, empty. So then what happens? When does Jesus start his miraculous ministry? After he was baptized. But he's not just baptized with water, he's baptized with, oh, you guys are smart. He's baptized 
with the Holy Spirit. So let's represent it through this blue water here. So Jesus has now emptied himself, but now he's baptized and the Holy Spirit pours out on him. <coughs> he's a man. He's 100% man. However, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And his interaction with the Holy Spirit is perfect because he is sinless. Right? So now whatever Jesus does, he's going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. But now you need to watch this next part. Jesus says, I do nothing by myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. Where Jesus talked about hearing the Father's voice. You remember after he was baptized, actually that's when he starts hearing the Father's voice. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So let's represent the voice of the Lord with this, this yellow glory voice, God speaking. So what happens? Now Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts seeing what God's doing, starts hearing what God is doing, and whoa, all of a sudden, Jesus is moving through the power of God in the life of God. Now, we get confused because we're like, well, Jesus is just God, so of course he can heal, of course he can raise the dead, of course he can cast out demons, that's just Jesus. But Jesus says, he who believes in me will do what I've been doing. John chapter 14. He actually says he will do even greater things than these. Because the son's going to the father. And you go, no, how is that possible? I can't be like Jesus because I'm not God of the flesh. No, but you remember this whole story. No, Jesus wasn't operating as God in the flesh. He was operating as man, full of the Holy Spirit, and then step by step, hearing the voice of God. Right? So, all of a sudden, here comes you. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You're not Jesus, but you're just, actually, you're a little cloudier than, than Jesus. I don't see, know if you can see how cloudy this is. But you empty yourself, and you get filled when you give your life to Jesus. You get the Holy Spirit in you. Then you ask, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. So you are walking full of the Holy Spirit, and then you're saying, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? And you walk in like Jesus, to this area where there are these sick people and you're so overwhelmed because there's so many, but the Father says, that one guy. That's who I'm highlighting. Him, right there. The Word is speaking to you, and all of a sudden, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the voice of God starts speaking to you, and look, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Wow! Just kidding. <clears throat> Trying to live healthier. 2017. Okay, so... When we started the church... Thank you so much, my fine staff members. When we started the church... I remember when we moved here, God spoke to us to move here. That's the reason we were here is because... God spoke, and, and, but then we're here, and this, this county is 94% uh, unchurched. 
94, that's, that's the statistics you'll find, 94% unchurched. And so overwhelmed, millions of people that need to be reached with the gospel. How, how do you deal with that? You've moved, you don't know anyone, you're wanting to start a church, it's overwhelming. God, what do I do? It's so big. Mike Sandy's here, back from Thailand. Mike, wave to us. This is Mike. Mike is uh, leading our work in Thailand. Mike, I'm sure overwhelming. Get to Thailand, something like 30 million people, right? What do I do? So that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm in San Diego. What do I do? And so I ask the Father to speak to me. I remember saying, Father, I, I'm overwhelmed. The job is so big. I'm one little guy. What do I do? I close my eyes. And I see in my mind the corner of El Cajon, right, yeah, El Cajon and College Avenue. College coming this way, El Cajon coming this way. About five blocks this way. I see that area in my mind, that corner. I actually see the, the northwest corner. And then I feel like God whispers 11 a.m. Go, okay. I think I should go there at 11 a.m. Now, just to tell you, I, I, I am not always feeling like God's man of faith and power, right? I feel like God's man of paste and flour sometimes, right? And, uh, so I call Kendall because I need a faith-filled friend to go with me, right? And, and I call him. I say, hey, I, I think that, that God wants us to go to this corner and there will be someone there that, that needs to hear from him. And so he goes, okay, let's do it. At 11 a.m., we drive to that corner. We stand on the corner, and I'm looking, ready for God to just show me. You know, maybe a rainbow is on top of someone's head, just descending from heaven. There was nothing. I'm, I'm looking, God, speak to me, nothing. So I just start walking up to people. Hey, I'm Robert. I love Jesus. How can I pray for you? Some people thought that was a little weird. Some people thought, oh, that's nice. And, um, I go through a couple people, nothing's happening, and then I come to this third little grouping. It's, it's, uh, it's two women at the bus stop, and I said, hey, I'm Robert. Uh, this might sound a little weird, but I felt like God told me to come at this time to pray for someone, and this woman goes, please pray for me. I said, why? What's going on? She goes, I, I feel like I was just poisoned. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I was in my apartment. I didn't know that the apartment was supposed to be cleared out. I was asleep, and they bombed the apartment for bugs. She goes, I, I, I inhaled all this poison toxins, and I feel like it's burning out of my skin. My lungs are on fire, and I'm waiting for the bus to go to the ER. I said, well, I think God probably sent us here for you. So I said, can we pray for you? We're going to lay our hands on you. We start praying for the power of God to touch her and to cleanse her body, and all of a sudden she starts going, whoa. Whoa, whoa. She goes, what is that? I said, that's the power of God. I said, do you know Jesus? Have you given him your life? No. I said, I've got some good news for you. Talk to her about Jesus coming to earth. Jesus dying on the cross for sins. Rising again to defeat the power of death and sin. Do you want that? She goes, yeah. Right there at the bus stop, we pray for her to give her life to Jesus. Then the Lord speaks to me. You know, this woman is is in a bad relationship, and she actually feels like she's been trapped and be, being treated like an animal. And I, I thought, wow, that's bold to say, Lord. But you know what? You got me this far. I say, are you in a, in a relationship where you feel trapped? And I explain the whole thing. Like, 
you feel like an animal? And she's like, yeah. I said, Jesus wants to set you free. I said, let's just command that evil spirit that's making you feel trapped to go. She commands it to go. And she all of a sudden, she's going, whoa. She's kind of spinning around. And her friend's looking at her like, whoa. I look and go, do you see what God just did for your friend? She goes, yes. I go, do you want to give your life to Jesus? She goes, no. We got the, the, the woman's, you know, you know, sometimes people can see the work of God and not accept it. And you know what? That's not my job to convince them that they need that. Only the Holy Spirit can bring someone to Jesus. We got the woman's information. We took her a Bible, visited her the next day. How did that happen? It's because the Father is always at work. That's what John chapter 5 says. Jesus said, my father's always at work. It's a couple verses before 19. He's always at work, and he shows the son what he's doing. Do you know that the father wants to show you what he is doing? I wonder how many people are in San Diego, even today, that are in desperate need of a touch of God. And if someone would just say, God, what are you doing? And use me. I'll be your vessel. I'll just be your little empty glass that you can fill up with your spirit, and you can fill up with your word, and then just spill me anywhere in the city you need me. I wonder what God could do with a church like that. You know, we were, um, we were in life group this past week. I, I actually asked my friend, he's in life group with me, if we asked him if we could share this. Um, we're sitting in life group uh, right before Christmas, and we're doing our discussion, and my co-leader, John, Looks at, looks at this man, Ozzy, and says, Ozzy, hey, what do you think about it? And, he, and Ozzy just puts his head down in the middle of the discussion and says, I'm sorry, John, I, I can barely pay attention. I'm, I'm just really having a hard time. I am in a depression. And, you know, and the whole group kind of sighed, so sorry. So then at the end of life group where we go to break up uh, with men and men to to pray, and then women to women to pray. John actually grabs me and goes, hey, Robert, I think that we should pray for Ozzy. Let's actually go upstairs. So the rest of the men just got paired off, and they're praying. But we go upstairs, and, and, and we said, hey, Ozzy, what's going on? You know, and he's like, hey, I, I just feel like everything in my life, I'm, I'm failing, and I, I just don't know if life's worth living. And, and so we said, you know what, Ozzy, that's, those are lies you're believing so I said, let's, let's go and ask God where this lie came in your life. So we sit there. We ask the Lord to bring up what it was. I said, Ozzy, did, did you hear anything? He goes, no. I'm thinking, bummer. So I said, let's, let's wait again. We wait again. I'm like, God, you got to speak to me. you gotta, you got to show me. And instantly I see a, a, an image in my mind of Ozzy as a kid in a baseball uniform on the field, very discouraged. And I said, Ozzy, uh, did, did something ever happen to you when you were a kid? Uh, did you play baseball and you were out playing baseball and, and something happened and you were very discouraged? He goes, yeah, that did happen. Something did happen. I said, well, then let's ask Jesus to come into that memory and speak to you. So Ozzy just sits there, closes his eyes, and he starts describing what had happened and how he felt like a failure. How the enemy came in and started just saying, you're a failure. 
And we ask Jesus to reveal himself, and Jesus shows up in Ozzy's memory, starts telling him he's not a failure, that he's loved, that he's accepted, and there's hope. And the Lord speaks to me a little more about this, this evil spirit that's attacking Ozzy. We have Ozzy just tell the spirit to leave him in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, Ozzy starts breathing deeply and getting encouraged. And we walk downstairs. John goes and prints off. We're in John's house. So John prints off these sheets, these affirmations of who God says we are in Christ. And say, Ozzy, every morning when you wake up, read these affirmations. Speak them out because faith comes from hearing the word of God. And this is who you are. And I said, let me tell you what I do. And I took these sheets and I said, I am a child of God. I am bought with a, with a price. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I said, Ozzy, you take this. Read it. He goes, I'm, I'm a child of God. I said, no, you read it out loud, buddy. So he's like, I am a child of God. I said, yes, I'm bought with a price. Yes. I said, you do that in the morning. You do that at night before you go to bed because that's who God says you are. We come back after Christmas and Ozzy gives a testimony to the life group. He goes, for six years, I've been in a depression, and God has healed me. He goes, that night God touched me, and I've been doing my, affir I've been speaking my affirmations boldly every morning and every night, whether I feel like it or not. And he goes, I feel healed after six years. Can, can I just tell you, that's the power of hearing the voice of the Father. That is what Jesus was doing. He was, he was hearing the voice of the Father. And then Ozzy just, not only did, did God speak to unlock something in Ozzy's life to show us where that lie came in, but then we use the voice of the Father through Scripture. Can I tell you, everything that God speaks is going to line up with this Scripture. And if you want to learn to hear God more, get into this Word. Because this is the language of heaven. Start treasuring God's word. And so Ozzy started speaking out those things that God speak over him, and they have power. I'm going to tell you, I, I love speaking out what God says about me. And I also love speaking out the, the prophetic words that God has spoken to me. This is the modus operandi, the M-O of Jesus, hearing and obeying the Father. Now verse 13 is interesting because it, it shows us into the, it gives us a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. This is classic Jesus, right? This is not like a lot of us, you know, you heal someone, and all of a sudden you're like, did you guys see that? That was, ama that was amazing. Wow, look at these hands. Hey, everybody gather around. Okay, now bow, bow down. I am the Messiah, right? <laughs> Jesus heals a guy, and he's like, just drifts off. Why would he do that? Because Jesus wasn't taken by man's applause and praise. He wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. 
Jesus was only doing what he saw the Father doing, and what he saw the Father doing was healing this guy and then slipping away until a better time to come back and explain who he was. You know, I find these are the type of people that God loves to entrust his secrets to and loves to, to give his marching orders to is people that he can trust, that it's not about their glory, it's about his glory. It's not even about comfortable things. Because listen to what Jesus says in verse 14. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. I'm sure the guy's like, yes, you're awesome. And then Jesus says, stop sinning. <laughs> like that is not very seeker sensitive, Jesus. Like we don't, remember, we don't talk about sin. We just like Bless people and let them be drawn to your, your goodness and your sweetness. And Jesus is like, stop sinning. <laughs> Jesus was okay saying the hard things, speaking what we'd call the truth in love. Because Jesus didn't just care about making this guy feel good. Jesus cared about this person's soul. And he cared about them being transformed into his likeness. And so he says, stop sinning. And then he says something even more dramatic. Or something worse may happen to you. Like, wow, doomsday. And the interesting thing is that other times, it's not like Jesus is always saying these kind of things. I mean, I remember another time where he talks about a tower that had fell on some people in Galilee, and he says, was their sin any worse than the other people? Like, the tower didn't fall because of their sin. It's not like he's always explaining things exactly this way. Why did Jesus say, stop sinning and confront this guy and then say or something worse may happen? I believe it's because that's what the Father was speaking to him in the moment. We need to be people who are willing to speak what God is saying to us because we care so much about honoring God and we truly care so much about their heart, not just about their feelings and how they'll treat us. That is true love. That is walking with Jesus. You know, it, it takes courage to truly hear and obey. It takes courage to truly share what, what Jesus is saying. You know, I, I, I want to shift gears here because I, I shared a couple of, of different pretty dramatic stories of what God spoken. But I, I want to tell you, when you start building your life on hearing the next thing that Jesus is saying, you'll see miraculous doors open. I remember John Ferreira coming to me and he had graduated school, he had done the, the training school, and he was asking God, he wanted to align himself, not just go and do what the world said, or, or, or go and just do things that made sense. He's like, what are you saying to me, Father? And, and so he goes, Robert, I, I had this vision. He goes, and in this vision, I, I walked out into the middle of the Crawford football field. Now, John grew up out in East County. Uh, the only reason Crawford had gotten on his radar is just being a part of this church. He goes, I walked out into the Crawford football field. I laid down on the field, and I started breathing life into it. And he said, all of a sudden, like Ezekiel with the Valley of Dry Bones, he said, all of a sudden, people started rising up, and a move of God took place at Crawford High School. And I went, um, maybe. Once again, man of faith, right? I was like, 
Okay, because I'm thinking that's a long shot. Like, this is not, that's not a Christian school. That's, you know, that, that it has been a school since we had been meeting there riddled with problems and pain. And he goes, so what, I, what I'm sensing is God's leading me to be a football coach at that school. And I'm going, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, good luck with that. Uh, he, John had, didn't have his degree from, from university, and, and he didn't have teaching credentials. And I'm thinking, how are you going to get hired on? But because he feels led by the Lord, he walks out into practice one day and at, tells the coaches, hey, I played football. I was a college athlete. Can I help you? And they're like, absolutely. <laughs> Next thing he knows, he's an assistant coach. So he starts giving his time. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, it, 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 it didn't happen in natural means. Next thing you know, John starts leading a Bible study with some of the athletes. Next thing you know, John is leading the Christian club on campus. God opens up the door. Next thing you know, a student is hit in a drive by a, a, a horrific experience for the school. But John is positioned in the school now there's some football players who have made professions of faith, so they're actually leading this club that, that John's helped start. And, and that day, when a student is killed, all these kids come seeking answers. So there's 100 kids plus packed in an auditorium. And I actually go that day. I sit down in the auditorium as two football players that John is discipling, neither of them that growing up in the church, two football players are talking about Jesus, and they say, now we're going to have Coach John come up to share a message. John preaches the gospel, and half the room, I hear them, I'm watching them, half the room prays to ask Jesus into their heart. It was unbelievable, and, and it's, it wasn't just a fluke. I mean, you, there's Crawford students sitting in here today, and John is leading an early morning prayer, 6.30 a.m. every week, Crawford students, inner city high school kids are coming together to seek the Lord for him to move on their campus. This is miraculous. It's through God speaking. God speaks things. Remember Luke 1, 27, the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary. Every word is not without power to accomplish that which God proclaims. That's what the Greek says. Of that. What is God speaking to you? Every day, wake up. Every day I wake up, I spend time with God, and then I say, God, what are you speaking today? I know you want to do miraculous things on the earth. Let me just be a part of one of them. What are you doing today? I think about a nurse in our church. She's, she's going about her business, but she's just trying to say, what are you saying, Lord? And she feels like she's supposed to pray for this one patient. So she takes a risk. She goes up. She asks them how she can pray. When she prays for him. He's touched. She invites him to church. I remember the next week he comes down front. He gives his life to Jesus. He jumps in our life group. And he gets totally transformed. He's part of this church today. I think about a young man going into business, and he's asking God what he's speaking to him, and God speaks to him to start a clothing line. He goes, wow, that's not my feel, but he ends up starting this clothing line. I remember being at the launch of that clothing line, packed out room. I'm talking to different, um, uh, different people in the room. Everyone's so excited. But the next day, people in that retail space, for the first time, because they've encountered our people and experienced that kind of community, they're at church the next day. 
I believe that God has things to speak to every person in this room if we'll just listen. And as we do that, miraculous doors open and miraculous power flows through us. That's what it means to actually live with Jesus. Jesus said the Son of Man can do nothing on his own, but he only does what he sees the Father doing, and then he's calling you into that, men and women. He's calling you students into that, to to walk. I'd seek the Lord before I'd go to class and say, God, what are you wanting to do today? And I'd even adjust where I sat in my class as I was learning about this in college so that I could partner with him to reach different people. God is wanting to do that for you business people. He's wanting to do that for you moms. There's moms that you're going to meet out in the park. They're desperate for a word from God, and God could give you a word of knowledge that would unlock their life and change them and their family forever. He wants to use you in your station of life if you'll open up your ears and listen to him. And I want to tell you, it's the most exciting journey. Let me read this last verse to finish our time. Verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all might honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Would you stand with me? For some in here, your first step of hearing God is putting your faith in Jesus. He said, I give eternal life. Can I tell you that Jesus is still giving eternal life to those who put their faith in him? For us that follow Jesus, death is not the end. It's actually the beginning of life with him forever. You don't have to fear death. He gave his life for you. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If Jesus isn't living in your heart, if you don't know that you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die, I want you to pray with me right now. If everyone could just close their eyes. And if everyone would just ask God what he's doing in their life. But there's some in this room that you say, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven, Pastor. Just with every eye closed, if you just say, that's me, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure if Jesus is living in my life, or I'm not sure that that I'm going to heaven. Just just give me a little wave, just so I know that's you. You're like, yeah, I'm uncertain. I'm not going to point you out, but just wave at me real quick if that's you. Okay. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. You just say, yeah, that's me. Okay. I see it. Who else? Just wave at me. You're like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I know Jesus. Okay, you that just waved at me, if if you want to give your life to Jesus, I just encourage you to pray this with me, giving him your life. Jesus, say this, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'll follow you forever. If you just keep your eyes closed for a minute, church body. If you're just praying that prayer today, you're saying, yeah, pastor, I'm giving my life to Jesus. We just look up at me? Just give me a quick wave, just all over this room. You just prayed that. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm praying that. Just look up at me and make eye contact. I'm not going to point you out. Just say, yeah, pastor, I'm praying that. Okay. Just wave at me. Make sure I see you. 
great. Prayer team, can you come forward? We want to pray for you if that's you today. We want to put a book in your hand about walking with God. But I also want to pray for you today that are just saying, yeah, I, I, I need a fresh word from God. I need, to, I need to know how to hear him. I have a, a lack of confidence in hearing his voice. We also want to pray for you if you're sick today. Jesus laid hands on the sick and he made them well. We want to pray that he'd do the same for you. Or maybe you just need a breakthrough in your life. We're going to sing one last chorus of one last song. And then I'm going to invite anyone who's new to come and meet me in the guest cafe for a quick welcome lunch. But as Stephen leads us in this last song, I just invite you to come and receive prayer. If you're giving your life to Jesus, you just come now. If you're sick and you need prayer, you just come now. If you need a breakthrough in your life, you come now as we sing this last song together.